Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Good morning, plant family. It has been some time. You guys are laughing. Like, uh, by the way, if, if you don't know me, I don't know you, and you're wondering if Pastor Rob has an imaginary friend named Omar that he refers to on Sunday mornings, I am real. <laughs> Just, you know, don't be concerned for Pastor Rob. He's doing okay. He's on vacation. Yay for vacation, amen? Yeah. Amen to that. Well, hey, um, many of you know I now get to serve our Alliance family uh, on a district role um, for our Metro District. And one of the joys that I have, one of the privileges that I have, is that I get to, I don't know if boasting is the right word, but I get to talk you all up, right? I get to talk us all up at our cabinet meetings and talk about how exciting it is, what God is doing in our church and through our church. So you need to know, and you can give yourselves a round of applause, you need to know that God is up to some great work through the Plant Church, and our district family hears about it, knows about it, so good stuff. Why don't we stand together um, for the reading of God's word, if you're able. This is found in Jeremiah chapter 20, if you want to look at your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 20. We're going to pick this up in verse 7. It will be behind me, but I'll give you a second there. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7 says this, O Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day, everyone laughs at me. Happy summer, plant family. What a way to start the summer series. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction I shout. So these messages have made from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me, like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them for I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord for though I was poor And needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. This is the word of God. Father, we want to thank you for this morning that you've given to us. These few moments, God, 
where we have the opportunity to recenter, refocus, realign our hearts once again to you. Jesus, I pray that this morning our affections for you would be stirred up within us once again. I pray, God, that if anyone is here this morning feeling like life is a desert right now, their relationship with you is a dry land, God, I pray that today you would pour water over their soul. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you ever been lied to before? As a parent, this is a daily thing that happens in your life. Am I right? I mean, you know, surely they didn't write all over the wall with that crayon, though they are holding said evidence in their hand. Surely they didn't cut their sister's hair though they have the scissor in their hand. They did go hang out with that friend of, the, of theirs, and they didn't go see that other friend of theirs, but your mind is a compass, and you have iPhone tracking. <laughs> Maybe that's not you. Maybe your kids are perfect angels. They tell you the truth all the time. Maybe you are an employer, a manager of sorts, and the reason the work didn't get done was not the reason they told you it didn't get done, right? Lying happens all the time. You know what's worse than lying or being lied to? Wondering if you're being lied to, amen? Being unsure about what's actually being brought before you as being true or untrue. I can remember when I was a teenager I had uh, come home and I needed to get something real quick from the car, so I run downstairs and I throw the door open on my parents' car, passenger side, front side, front passenger side. It slams into whatever it was that was there. Maybe I was, maybe they had parked too close to a tree. Maybe there was something else that was there. Fire hydrant, who knows? We lived in the ghetto, so whatever. You drove, you parked wherever you parked, you could park, right? And now there's a dent in the car. Now, when, when, you, when this happens to you, you know you're in trouble, okay? You know, like, it's over for you, right? You've, you've done some damage. So the best thing you could do is to say nothing, right? When you know you're in trouble, say nothing because then the blame has to, like, be spread out evenly, and it doesn't all get focused in on you. Well, my dad comes home realizes there's a dent in the car, storms upstairs, he's in a fit, he's angry, he realizes what's going on, who did this? Now, though, here's the thing, in his mind, he already had the culprit, the only other person that could drive in this house, my mom. <laughs> now, you can probably guess my surprise, in, in my perfect reality of not getting in trouble, but all of us getting in trouble, I never had it in my mind that my mom would be the one to be blamed, right? I never accounted for that in this picture. And so my dad, you know, though, though he's asking, he's also blaming. So I'm like, hey, hey, it was me. I did it. I'm the one that did it. He goes, you're lying. No, I'm actually telling the truth. It was me. I'm the one that did it. I put the, no, you're only saying it because your mom's the one that's supposed to get in trouble, not you. Are you kidding me? You and I have both been there. We've been at this place where 
we have no idea whether what's being placed before us is true or a contradiction to that truth. Is it true or is it a lie? We've all been there, right? Years later, I mean like a solid 20 years later, my dad goes, hey, remember that time we tried to cover up with your mom with the car? I was like, are you kidding me? We're doing this again? Dad, it was me. I did it. I'm not covering up for mom. I was the one that did it. You should have seen the look on his face was like year, his life flashed before his eyes. All this time I could have believed something to be true, right? Like 20 years of history, just like, what else, what else have I been believing that wasn't true? You've been there. I've been there. Amen? Let's take this a little bit deeper, shall we? God has a promise for you. God has promises for you in your life. We take hold of that promise. However that promise came, whether it came through his word, whether it came through a dream, a vision, a prophetic word, word from God, the word of the Lord, the Bible, this promise, these promises, they've come to us. And what we do is then we start to paint a reality for ourselves of how we think that promise should come into fulfillment. You know what our problem is? Our problem is that we do not account for the struggle. We don't account for hardship. In our picture of reality, we don't think that there's going to be any opposition to that promise coming into fruition. Now, don't get me wrong. Here's, here's what I didn't just say. I didn't say that God makes a promise to you and then stands in the way of you obtaining that promise. No, that's not what I'm saying. But God realizes, God understands that there will be obstacles, that there will be hurdles, there will be opposition, and he will give you everything you need for that promise to come into fruition. So the question for us to contend with this morning is, what do you do? What do you do in your life? What do I do in my life? What are we called to do in our lives when the promise or promises of God come into opposition with a contradiction? What do you do when the promise or promises of God in your life come face to face with hardship? And this is where we get good news. See, friends, what we're called to do is to rest on the word of God, and remain faithful to his calling. If you think of nothing else, if you remember nothing else, when you leave from here, right, it, it, it's the summertime, right, right, summertime vibes, right, like, you know, summer, 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 no, all right, Will Smith, all right, any Will Smith fans out there, all right, cool, all right, dope, all right, cool, <clears throat> it's the summer, it's vacation time, it's barbecue time, right? It's hangout time. The kids want to be at the beach. You want to be at the beach. You've got that Cancun thing planned out, right? It's easy for us to, to be in a position now where it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to take my foot off the gas. When the fall comes around, then I'll like re-up on everything. Work, Jesus, parenting, right? We want ice cream. You're going to have ice cream every day. 17 scoops. It's all yours. Just don't ask me any questions, right? Like, I'm good, right? You know who doesn't take off in the summer? 
the enemy. He don't care that you have a, 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 a vacation plan. He doesn't care about graduation celebrations. We've been through a week of hardship. Like, I'm like, I just came home from Cambodia. Like, God did some amazing things. I saw some people get healed. It was amazing. Hardship last week. Why? He don't care. Enemy doesn't care. You know who doesn't take off in the summer? The Lord Jesus. Can I get an amen? He's got your back. Amen? What do you do? When the promise or promises of God come face to face with your hardship. Friends, we are called to rest in the word of God and remain faithful to his calling. Here in this passage, Jeremiah is hit with an unforeseen reality to his promise. You see, as his job, Jeremiah's job was to be a prophet, a messenger of God. As the prophet of God... His role, his responsibility was to stand before leaders, to stand before kings and queens, to stand before royalty, to stand before priests of the temple of God. And when those folks, when their hearts got out of alignment with the heart of God, when their ways went left as opposed to where God was leading them as a country to go, Jeremiah was supposed to speak up and say, come back, come back to God's promise. Come back to God's ways. Come back to trusting in the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come back to these things. But if you were to look at the 20 chapters thus far in Jeremiah, you'd be like, Jeremiah, your ministry is a failure. God chose the wrong dude. You're not doing your job. These kings, these queens, these leaders, these priests, they're like, who are... The Lord, don't worry about the Lord. Let's follow these gods. Let's do these practices. Let's commit our lives in these ways, contrary to the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, gives us insight to this. This is how God had originally called Jeremiah. He says this, verse 4. The Lord gave me this message. This is God talking to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. I made you holy. I called you out to be mine and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Jeremiah's role was going to be at a global scale. It wasn't just going to be for the kingdom of Judah. It was going to be at a global level. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. How many of you would love to hear from God in this way? Hey, you're going to have a... You're going to have a role influence at a global scale. Wow, that sounds really exciting. Does it come with global pay, right? (laughs) Whatever I tell you to say, say it. Wherever I tell you to go, go and do it. Whatever you think has disqualified you for my promise, for my call, ignore it. Because I have called you. I've called you. And I've spoken, and these things are done. But that's not how Jeremiah feels about his calling. 
This was his introduction. Wow, the Lord is calling me. This is cool. This is exciting. He doesn't even care that I'm 19 years old. We don't know how Jeremiah is. I'm just making that up. He doesn't care that I'm 19. He doesn't care that I don't have any, you know, gray hairs to show wisdom to these people. It doesn't matter. He's called me to go out and to do this thing. But that's not how Jeremiah sees it. See, Jeremiah feels misled. He feels tricked, deceived. The Hebrew word there is like seduced. Lord, you, you seduced me into this. You, you said all those cute words to me. They made my heart come alive. There was this, this fire that you put in my bones, and since that moment, it hasn't stopped. And it hasn't played out in the way that I thought it was going to. This promise that you've given to me, I don't know if I'm on board with this. Jeremiah 19 and 20, Jeremiah has another word to give the leaders. He gives that word. You know what they do? Rather than turning their hearts back to God, they, they strap Jeremiah, they put him in stocks, they whip him, and they let him go. And they're like, if you keep talking, it will only get worse for you. God, I don't know if I want to keep walking in this direction, man. Do you see what they're doing to me? How many of you have been there before? So he cries out. Jeremiah's not losing his mind. He's just lamenting. He's lamenting at what he's encountered. What do you do? What do you and I do? When it seems like the promise of God is, is coming face to face with a contradiction. You misled me, God. This is not what we talked about. This isn't what I said. What do you do? You rest in the word of God and remain faithful to his calling. But how? How do you do this? <clears throat> I don't want to give you three things to do today. What I want to do is I want to ask three questions that you and you alone, and me myself, of course, can answer. I can't answer them for you. Pastor Rob can't answer them for you. Pastor Paul can't answer them for you. You and you alone will answer them. And then collectively, we answer them as a church body. Question number one, will we allow God's word to speak truth? Really, will, will we allow God's word to speak the truth? Jeremiah 20 verse 8 says this, When I speak, the words burst out, violence and destruction I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. Jeremiah hasn't stopped speaking the words of God. As a matter of fact, what Jeremiah does is he returns to his source of truth. So you can only answer the question, will we allow God's word to speak truth, if you actually go back to the source of all truth. And this is what Jeremiah does. He doesn't stop looking to God for answers and bringing his lament to the Lord. There was a mentor that challenged me many, many years ago when I was starting in ministry. He said, Omar, um, I think you have an issue. I do? What's the issue? Well, you're kind of like jogging and walking through, through your life. Is that bad? You, you got to understand, I grew up in the hood, and so I don't walk real fast, right? The other day, me and one of my daughters, we're, we're talking about something. We're walking somewhere. I don't remember where we were, but she asked me a question, and I'm responding to her with a story. And within seconds, she's like from here to like the second row over there. And I'm like, hey. Where are you going? You asked me a question. I'm giving you an answer. She's like, I'm listening to you. You just walk really slow. Like, this is how I walk. 
Mom was right. You do walk slow. <laughs> it's my speed, you know? It's my speed. There's nothing wrong. It's just my speed. But he, he, he's challenging me. He's calling me out. He's like, hey, this is, this is kind of how you act in all areas of your life, specifically when it comes to God. Sometimes I see you pick up the pace. Sometimes I see you sprint when you need something. When it feels like things are a little bit desperate for you, 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 you pick up the pace. But once you've kind of covered that, you, you return back to normal. You see, God wants you to run with him. But you're happy just taking an evening stroll at your own level, at your own pace, at your own time. That word still cuts through my soul today. This is like 20 years later, and I still think about this. You see, friends, this isn't about doing more. This summer is not about doing more. No, this summer is about how do we engage? How do we feast on the word of God? How do we allow God's word to start to speak truth to our lives so that we can move with God, so that we can keep pace with what God is doing in our lives. You see, the church at large has given up its prophetic word and its prophetic message. When I say that, what I'm saying is there's only, you all agree, you've heard this statement before, all truth is God's truth. You've heard that before? Yes? All truth is God's truth? Maybe that's kind of a, something that goes around. I believe it to be true. All truth is God's truth, whether people realize it or not, right? All truth is God's truth. The thing that separates the people of God, though, from that statement is that God has given us a specific word of truth. He's giving us words that bring life, not just to us, but to the people in our lives, to the communities around us. He's given the, the, the people of God a word of truth that brings life at a global scale. Will we allow that truth to come out? Will we allow God's truth, God's word to make an impact in our souls so that it can come out? Question number one. Question number two. Will we allow God's word to burn within us? Verse nine says this. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Again, Jeremiah is not losing his mind. He goes back to the source of truth. He hears the word from the Lord, but he cannot contain it for himself. If he tried to ignore it, if he tried to neglect it, if he tossed it off to the side and said, you know what, Lord, not this time, he would not be able to do it. Will we allow God's word to burn within us? You ever see somebody make fire before? It's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing personally. Number one, because I was never a Boy Scout. Again, hood life, no Boy Scout, okay? Here you have four pictures. I had no idea these things actually had names to them when I was doing a little bit of research on how, how to do this, right? Uh, the, the cool thing is 
no matter how someone makes a fire, I, I feel like it's always different. I, I feel like it's always different how someone actually goes to do it. And you know what's really crazy? Everybody that makes a fire thinks that their way is the absolute best way. That to me is like hilarious. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, the other guy, he made a fire last week not doing it that way. Like, okay. So d- d- does it last longer if, if it's done your way? Well, not really. Well, well, wouldn't that make it better? Right? So... No matter how someone stacks, you know, these pieces of wood, all fires require a spark to get going, yes? They all start small, right? But then, depending on the elements, right, the right elements in play, again, I don't know, but to me, soaked wood wouldn't seem like it would work, but some of y'all are magicians out there, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, right? All the elements have to be present. It starts with a small spark, but then it becomes something much bigger, real quick, right? And when it's cold out and you have a raging bonfire, I mean, oh, it's beautiful. You smell amazing. You're sweating even. You're taking off your gloves and be like, man, it's so hot. This is so incredible. But any fire that's lit, no matter how large it got, if you ignore it, if you neglect it, it will die. You see, For some of us, we've never allowed the word of God to become a raging fire within us. We've actually never allowed that small spark to to touch down, to, to consume what's been planted, and to begin to be something that's big and beautiful, something that warms the soul, something that attracts other people because there is light. There is something beautiful. We haven't allowed that. Others of us in the room, maybe we used to have a raging fire a long time ago, but other things have come up in our lives, and we've allowed that fire to be stifled down. We haven't thrown more pieces of wood on top. We haven't spent time caring for that fire. But God desires for his word to burn within us, to rage within us, not to destroy. Now, that sounds kind of crazy because you all know Jeremiah was like, violence and destruction is what I say. Violence and destruction is not what Jeremiah says because he's an anarchist, right? That's not why he's saying that. Again, his job was one of a prophet, Violence and destruction are at hand. You guys keep living in this way. You keep bringing the nation of Judah into all of this. Violent destruction will come. But there's also repentance and rescue that are at hand. If you would just turn your life, turn your heart to the living God, rescue and salvation are present for you. You see, it doesn't take you Bible school. Reading your, all right, Omar, I'll read my Bible every day. I'll try to read the Bible all in one day, every day. No, no, that's that's not what we're talking about here. But God desires for us to lean in so that that fire can grow in our souls so that it would not be contained for us and for the world around us. Will we allow God's word to speak truth? Will we allow God's word to burn within us? And finally, Will we allow God to prevail on our behalf? Verse 11. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. 
Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Sing, verse 13, sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. For though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. Jeremiah is lamenting. God, you misled me. You lied to me. It feels like that we're way far from Jeremiah chapter 1. And yet, you all been there. And yet, when I look upon my life, I can't argue with the fact that you've been faithful. I can't argue with the fact that every time I've needed for you to stand in the gap, you've been there for me. When they plotted evil against my life, God, you were there to stop it to put it in its tracks, when it felt like it was all hopeless, when it felt like it was empty, God, you rescued me. You saved my soul. Had a pastor I was meeting with recently. He said to me, you know what people believe? People believe that God makes them a promise and then puts all these obstacles in their way, puts all these detour signs in the way, He himself stands in the way. How many of you feel like I'm fighting with God right now? I want something, but God doesn't want this thing. And so I'm going toe-to-toe with the divine. How did that work out for for people in Marvel movies? I'm fighting with the divine. That's not God's heart. That's not God's character. Friends, your God, my God, your savior, my savior, he knows the obstacles that will come. He understands the hurdles that, will, that you'll have to be met with. He realizes that there are detour signs all along the way. You know what he promises? He's gonna be with you every step of the way until that promise comes into fruition. You know what this means? It means that you live your life. You stand in your life. You walk in your life from a place of victory and not defeat. Do you get that? Do we get that? We live our lives from a place of victory and not defeat. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody here? Our Savior knows a thing or two about hardship. You see, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he went before the Father. He said, listen, I know what's coming. I've been with these knuckleheads for three plus years. They still have no idea. They still question where I, whether I am who I said I am whether I am who I've revealed myself to be, whether you are this good, they still don't buy it. If there's any way, any way, for what I'm about to go through on that cross to be passed off, if there is any other road, any other navigation that will bring humanity back to you, and let it be so. But he knew the truth. He knew the truth.
the truth. There was no other way. So he submitted to it. But not my will, but your will. Not my will. Not what I want. Not what I want to avoid. But your will. If this is what it means to bring all of your sons, all of your daughters, all of your children back to you, then not my will, but your will be done. Hebrews chapter 12 says to us that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. The joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. You see, at the end of the day, Jesus allowed his father to fight for him when he was being mocked, spit, smacked, punched, whipped, flogged, nailed to that cross. When he was hanging up there and they're still mocking him, when they're calling him to get himself down, he stayed on that cross because he trusted in his father to fight for him. And if the father was going to fight for him when the whole world was against him, how much more will God do for you and for me? Come on, how much more will God do for you and for me? What do you do when it seems like God's promise or promises are being met in the face, smacked in the face, pushed on with every opposition and obstacle with every contradiction in your soul. Friends, seek the word. Let it burn within you. And will you allow the God of the universe to be your defender, to be your protector, to be your savior? Will you allow him to do that? Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to thank you. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much. You cared for us so much. That you were willing, willing to put your hands, put your life in the hands of the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you knew the truth. Oh, if you would have believed the lie at that point, what would it have meant for the rest of humanity? but you believe the truth. You allowed that truth to lead you to the cross and you allowed your father to stand in the gap for you. That on that third day, on that third day, you would rise again. We give you honor and praise. Help us, Lord, help us. Lord, we're weak, we're dumb. We want our own way, but help us, Lord, to seek the truth, to allow your, your word to burn within us, and to watch in wonder and amazement and awe you stand in the gap of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, 
then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.